0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of Behind the Silver Screen podcast, where we have conversations that look at media through a critical lens. We're going to be discussing what the world is telling us through storytelling in the movies we love and where we can find God behind all of it, where everything finds ultimate meaning in Christ. No matter what the movie, we believe that God can be found behind the silver screen. How are you doing, Drew? Pretty good. How are you this week? I'm so excited. I'm really I'm a podcast guy. Apparently I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I love it. Uh, we are so excited. This is the, the second episode. We do want to mention that uh, if you're looking for a podcast on the tech- technical aspects of film, don't come to us. Uh, we just enjoy watching movies and desire to see God uh, in the world around us. But we have no film school background or anything like that. So uh, you might find another podcast.
1: We're just a couple of pastors that want to talk about some stories.
0: Yes, very excited about that. So, in our very first season, uh, which will be maybe a collection of eight episodes, uh, we are doing movies that we love. So, we're going through and we've collected some of our favorites. And uh, you had selected as one of yours the movie Goodwill Hunting, which has not always been a favorite of yours, but here recently it it was. Something that you enjoyed? Yeah, honestly, that the first time I saw this movie was probably five months ago. Five months ago, so I'm I'm I remember saying that I hadn't seen this before, and I'm when I watched it, I remembered seeing it in high school, I think, or maybe at the beginning of college, and I had no interest. I, I really lost interest throughout the movie, but I just wasn't ready for it. I watched it this time, and I loved it. Didn't remember everything, but man, I was happy with this viewing. So we'll talk more about that later. But yes, we have uh, director Gus Van Sant, which I wasn't familiar with his name. Um, but of course, the writers were Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. And I uh, believe that this is where they got famous. So, uh,
1: yeah, See, Matt Damon wrote this, wrote this movie while he was taking a screenwriting course in at Harvard University, which it's part of the reason why Harvard's going to come up in the movie. I think it's part of why that setting was used. Also, I think both Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are from Boston, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I, I had the impression that they had been friends since they were kids, but apparently not. Yeah, I
1: don't I don't I'm not, I don't think that that's the case. OK, but yeah, they uh, they they they, were, they both wrote the movie. I think I do think this is kind of the movie that put Matt Damon and Ben Affleck on the map.
0: Yes, and they were cast in the movie. You have Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Robin Williams was incredible. We're on second episode and we've already got hundred percent of our movies with Robin <laughs> Williams in them. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Casey Affleck, Minnie Driver. We aren't typically going to mention so many people from the movie, but this had a really good cast. Mm-hmm. A lot of people to talk about. So I, I loved all of them. I thought it was great. Yeah, I'm a big Skarsgård fan. Yeah, uh, I've not watched a lot of his movies, but everything I've watched that he's been in, I just really enjoy I think he's the type of actor that he's a good actor because when you're not supposed to like him, you don't. So I don't want to say I liked him in the movie because I didn't like his character. But maybe that just means he's a really good actor. He's a good actor. Yeah, Honestly, I think my
1: first introduction to Skarsgård would have been uh, the Avengers movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I had seen him in some other things, but he he is good in there and his kids do really good work, too. Uh, His kids act. Oh, yes. Uh, One of them. I forget his name, but he did uh he's the clown in the movie it's the, uh, okay. the the new movies uh for it and it chapter 2 and he did a movie called barbarian recently um he's 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 got a creepy vibe to him so got acting in the family so anyways we do want to mention that we are spoiler heavy so as we begin discussing the movie now you might want to pause the podcast and go check out the movie for yourself and see what you think about it before you hear from us uh, but you can go check it out on Amazon Prime. It is streaming. So, and it's, uh, it's free on Prime right now. It is free. So if you would like to pause the podcast, go check it out, and then you can come on back. We'll begin discussing the movie after this break.
1: Well, uh, before the break, a couple uh, probably disclaimers. Uh, the movie is rated R, so if, that, if that's a, a, a problem for you, uh, obviously we understand that. There's a lot of cussing in the movie. Yes, hard R for language. Yeah. Um, not a lot of sexual content in the movie. There's some there's some crude jokes. Yes, probably, that's probably the worst of it. Is the jokes a lot of, were crude. Yeah, the jokes were really crude. But really, the language is probably the worst part of the whole movie. Yeah, yeah.
0: So be warned about that. All right, Drew. So we're going to begin looking at the movie. So I handed this one over to you uh, because this was uh, one of your favorites. So why don't you go ahead and get us started on your thoughts about the movie?
1: Okay. So we kind of we cut into the movie. Uh, we see some scenes at the beginning really the the action starts with we with someone we don't know his name yet his, his name is professor Gerald Lambeau uh He's teaching what we find out pretty quickly to be an advanced math class uh, at MIT and he announces to the whole class that he he that they that he and the faculty have put this advanced math question out on the on the board in the hallway, and he challenges the students to answer the question um, If they're correct they'll they'll have his respect and personal glory within the school and we kind of end the, end that scene there. And then we jump to this this janitor, uh, played by Matt Damon, who we find out later is Will, who is kind of just out in the hallway. He's mopping the floor, and is just intently looking at the problem that's on the board. And that's where it ends. Uh, we we don't get anything more beyond that. We just we just see Matt. We just see that Will's character ends. And then we cut to Will with his three closest friends: Chucky, played by Ben Affleck; Morgan, played by Casey Affleck and billy played by Billy is played by cole hauser yes and we cut to them at the bar they're hanging out and will decides to go home early which seems which based off the interaction between him and uh and chucky is not normal it's like 10 o'clock and this is not normal for him to go be going home this early but he goes home and the next thing we see is he's writing proofs up on his on, on his uh mirror in his bathroom
0: and so he's a bit distracted, and that's so when he's with his friends, that's when you really get the Boston culture. Oh yeah, it's very heavy, which on one hand is enjoyable, on the other hand is where some of the the language and and the crudeness comes from. Uh, which reminded me how soft I must be out here in Indiana, but because uh, it was it was rough. But it's they're fun to watch. They're they're an interesting group of characters, and so yes, he is distracted, and he goes to to think on this.
1: And I think the movie does a good job of setting up kind of the situations of each each of the characters. Uh, We already kind of see that there's going to be this dichotomy between this prim and proper and professor who kind of has this air of superiority. That's already already kind of blatant in the way that he even interacts with his students. Yeah. And then we have this genius who is caught up working menial jobs. Seems like probably most nights get sitting at the bar getting drunk Mm -hmm. and not really doing a whole lot with his life. Right. Yeah. So we kind of move on from there. The next kind of main scene we see Lambo's at an alumni picnic. The professor is. And really kind of looks bored. Looks like he's not really enjoying time, enjoying life in that moment. These students come up and. They they want to know who solved the proof on on the board. And we had seen a little bit before that you had seen Will's character writing on the board and then then waiting till everyone was gone, writing on the board Uh, Lambo's character goes in. They all rush to the board. They want to figure out what happened. And and, but no one takes no one claims what had happened. Yeah. And then we kind of so we kind of keep cutting back between these characters. So this was kind of Lambo's time. Then we go back to Will and his and his friend group. They're hanging out at a ball diamond getting drunk. Seems like or at least drinking. They see some people that they see this guy that used to beat Will up in kindergarten, which I thought that really you're adults now and you're going to worry about (laughs) kindergarten.
0: But. I don't know the culture. Maybe maybe, that, maybe that's a big deal for them. It did stand out. It felt a little awkward and forced that they might start a fist fight over such uh, history. But yeah, it, that was interesting.
1: But they decide to as they're driving, they see this. They see this guy and his friends walking down the road. They jump out of their vehicle. They jump the, th- the four of them. Uh, Will is just kind of pounding on this guy till the cops show up and Will gets arrested. He gets arrested. And as he's doing that, he ends up punching a cop.
0: Yes. And and we do end up finding later on that he is working the job that he is at through his parole officer mm-hmm. and he has a pretty rough rap sheet. So maybe it might just be he has a horrible temper and these things come out and he just found someone he didn't like who he happened to have a history with. So he beat him up. But he definitely is known for this kind of behavior. From there.
1: He gets out of jail, said that he has a raiment in the next coming week. And we cut back and we see Will working again. And he has now solved the next problem that's on the board, which is supposed to be even harder
0: than the first problem. I think that it took the staff uh, two years to figure out this problem. And now he's kind of doing it and he seemingly. Just, yeah, he does it like without what
1: it seems like without really even a lot of planning or thought. Yeah, he just solves the problem. And this time Lambo and his assistant Tom catches him in the act. He runs off, down, runs off, uh, kind of cusses it at, at Lambo. And Lambo's all angry at first until he realizes that Will actually solved it correctly. Mm -hmm. And after this, Will decides he's going to quit his job at MIT.
0: Yes. So you're picking up details here and there. But for some odd reason, Will has a a crazy, vast knowledge of math and economics and law and history and all of these things that it seems clear. And you hear details throughout the movie, but it's self-taught. I mean, he just picked this stuff up. And that's wild. Uh, I don't understand it, but it is uh, in in the scenes where that knowledge comes out. It's astounding to everyone around him. I mean, this is a rare amount of knowledge that this guy has. And I think we get that first picture. Like we, we've seen so small, like you
1: said, small little pictures mm-hmm. of that knowledge coming through. But I think we get the first kind of glimpse into the way his memory works mm-hmm. in this next scene
2: because mm-hmm.
1: they're going to go to Harvard. Uh, and I kind of looked up on, I looked up, they're in South Boston. They're located in South Boston. Uh, so they're uh, south of the river that kind of goes through Boston. Harvard's on the other side of the river. Um, so it's, it didn't seem like, I mean, when you're looking at a map, nothing looks really that far away. Yeah. I don't know how far away it is to travel between South Boston and Harvard. Yeah. But it seems like they have to kind of go out of their way to do that. Sure. They go to this bar and will decide, we'll ends up kind of having this battle of wits with this Harvard <laughs> student. Yeah. And you kind of get this uh, this you kind of get the glimpse that Will probably has an eidetic memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in fact, uh, even when he's reading books, you kind of see him just kind of flip through real quick. Mm. He's probably not only just has an eidetic memory, but also he's a speed reader. Yeah, and he's able just to kind of breeze through books and remember everything that he read to the point that when he's having this argument with this with this guy, he can quote not only the the quote but also the page that that quote number is that 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 quote is found on to this guy. Unbelievable.
0: I could have used that in seminary for sure.
1: <laughs> <sighs> so they get into this fight. It doesn't turn into turn into them actually like beating each other up. They they kind of split up, uh, but Will kind of proves his superiority when it comes to the the knowledge that he has. Yeah, he embarrasses
0: the other guy pretty badly,
1: and, and really kind of pokes fun at this idea
0: that that he's spending one hundred fifty thousand dollars on his education. Yeah, and getting nothing for it while well, he got this from the library and all the while this is happening. Minnie driver's character is at the bar and they're kind of sparring over her attention. So that is uh, the introduction between these two characters. And so
1: by the end of the night, will doesn't actually approach Sch- Skylar as Minnie drivers character doesn't approach Skylar at all. But on the way out, Skylar hands will her phone number. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and, and makes sure to show off to this other guy that he got the phone number. Yeah. Yeah, how you like them apples so good (laughs) and then we cut to will in court and so he's got this number but his problems his legal problems haven't gone away yeah and he's trying to defend himself in court which it uh, based off the conversation between the, the rap sheet the judge has Will's pretty pretty successful up to this point defending himself in court and getting off charges that he shouldn't have gotten off of yeah using legal precedents that really aren't really precedent anymore right but because he assaulted a police officer this time, he's going to jail. Yeah. And there's, there's no way around it. Right. And from jail, he makes his first call to Skylar.
0: Yes. <laughs> and asks if she's pre-law. <laughs> so he can, he can flirt with her and ask her for her help.
1: I also thought it was interesting in the phone call. He sets up a time for them to get coffee together. I'm like, you're I in jail. That? Oh,
0: my gosh. <laughs> so good.
1: Uh, Lambo finally catches up to Will. He, he kind of went. Figured out that Will was on parole, like we talked about, ends up finding out he's in jail, talks to the judge and gets uh, gets permission from the judge to release Will to his care with the with the condition that he would they would meet for
0: mathematical type lessons Mm -hmm.
1: and also that Will would see a therapist.
0: Yes. So it seems like they're setting up some kind of path to redemption. But what is that going to look like? Well, that's the whole movie. So that's fun. And. Quick side note, the therapist is how we get to Robin Williams character, who yes. is
1: honestly, I love Will, but Sean McGuire is my favorite character. Oh, in the He's yeah. So
0: good. He's so good. He just fits that part so naturally. It's just perfect. It's just perfect. And so it is fun to watch that. And as they're getting ready to set that up, the relationship between Will and the professor, it's it gets really familiar. And it's like the professor becomes almost kind of like a father figure to him. He has a very vested interest in seeing him succeed. And he almost just loves Will because of his potential, having having nothing else to do with any form of relationship. He's actually kind of uh, turning his back on his assistant, Tom, who has been around for a long time and done so much to help him in a lot of different ways. And Tom definitely feels slighted. Oh, yes. Yeah, that becomes clear (laughs) and very jealous for sure. So that's interesting to see how much of a liking he takes to him just based on potential and nothing else. I
1: mean, you see. I mean, like their first interaction you see, not, they've just solved a problem. They've had fun solving this problem together. And you see Lambo like Russell.
0: Yeah. Will's hair. Very fatherly. Yeah. Kind of pat him on the back. It was it was what you would expect a dad to do with like a 10 year old son who they just got done, you know, pitching the ball back and forth outside or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So part of the thing then, not just to meet with Lambo's character, but also part of the release is to go see a therapist. He has to start fulfilling that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we kind of go through this, this kind of extended montage of several therapists <laughs> and will every time through either his smarts or sarcasm or just his ability to kind of read the room and pick up clues, almost like almost Sherlock Holmesy mm-hmm. type, pick up little clues and then start to break down that person just to keep, just to keep pushing these therapists away. And so like they go through like three or four therapists, no, they go through five, five, they go through five therapists that will has basically just destroyed every single time. And Lambo is like, well, I have one more person I can call on. And he remembers his old college roommate when they went to MIT together, uh, Sean McGuire and Sean, we find out is teaching at Bunker Hill community college. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come up that it seems like Sean has fallen from maybe some prestige. Yeah. he's Now teaching at a community college.
0: Yeah. And so it's interesting to see how they introduce him uh when we meet him he's teaching he's teaching the students of the community school about trust and he's he's earning that trust you could see in the scene he's kind of winning over the students and this is something that they make it clear how how big of a shift it is from the previous therapist to him the other therapists were uh, what you would expect from harvard type therapists they were very stuffy and serious and it just seemed like there was something in Will that kept him from opening up to them. He couldn't take things seriously, even though he could take his studies so seriously and be a genius in all of these different fields that he reads in. There's something that is keeping him from connecting with the therapist, uh, something that's keeping him from being like vulnerable. So uh, so it's interesting that we see Sean now and there is something different about him. You know that it's going to lead towards uh, uh it's going to lead to a special relationship that's going to uh, lead the story forward for yeah. sure.
1: So they get together and they have the first. They have the first session. I thought it was really. I was really. Uh, I really like the like. Sean kicks out Lambo and Tom and says, "No, it's just going to be me and me and Will." Mm-hmm. And immediately, Will goes to town, start picking apart. He sees that Sean's been in the, been in the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. He picks up on this picture of this guy on this river. That or this, this this the ocean that's kind of like battling against the waves and the mm-hmm. rain. And he picks up on these little things and starts to try and just
0: tear Sean apart. Yeah, it's it's like a um, it's a hobby of his to psychoanalyze people. And so he does he 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 turns it on his therapist. You know, he's there to see Sean. And even though Sean is so different and he's from the same neighborhood that he's from, and he's so much more down to earth still. There's something that stands in the way for Will. And he tries to do this psychoanalyzing. He uses this painting to really get under his skin. And he finds out when he mentions something about his wife. I think he specifically says something like you married, married the wrong woman or something. Uh, Robin Williams gets very defensive about no, his no, wife. He, gets,
1: he doesn't get, just get defensive. Oh yeah, he, he gets, gets
0: violent. violent. <laughs> and when 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 Will notices that, he runs with it Mm -hmm. and he does antagonize him to where he he gets choked by Sean by the therapist. And so it is very interesting to see how he found such motivation to tear apart this therapist instead of being torn apart. It seems like. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And so they end the interaction together. And I remember sitting like, I remember like when I was watching this, this second, this, this, this time again for the, for the podcast wondering, what is Sean's motivation to keep seeing Will? Mm-hmm. In that moment, what is there to push Sean to keep seeing Will? Because he could have just walked away and said, and just wiped his hands of it and said, I, "This, I, I don't need this." Mm-hmm. And yet he tells uh, Lambo,
0: "Bring him back next Thursday at four. Make sure he's here." I don't know if this is called for or anything like that, but it almost seems to me that later on Sean discusses the fact that meaningful relationships in life are mutually beneficial uh it's not just that you enjoy someone or that you are built up by someone but that you do building up as well and that he somehow gets more meaningful interactions with people when he knows he's growing too and it almost seems like he recognizes enough of uh, a mirror image between himself and will being from the same neighborhood viewing life maybe the same in certain ways that he knew that this guy was going to help him heal as well because he definitely needed some things healed yeah and
1: we'll get into that yeah
0: we'll get into that
1: because right now we we don't have we don't have enough information about sean's past to know how he's gotten to where he's got where he's gotten to in this point
0: yeah well, we do know that after that first session he is sitting at home alone drinking at his kitchen table with pots and pans stacked up on the counter and there is something really bothering him about their interaction. That's all we know.
1: And it seems like he stays up pretty late that night.
0: Yes, pretty late.
1: So then we see that uh, Will and Skylar go on their first date and they just they just kind of kind of joke around with each other and laughing with each other. I think this is also when we find out that Skylar is moving soon,
2: mm-hmm. that yeah. she
1: is leaving uh, Harvard to go to Stanford in California. And she's pre-med right now at Harvard. And she's going to go get her actual uh, medical degree at Stanford. But it seems like they have they have a good date. Seems like things go well with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you find out that it's Will's not calling Skylar back. Yeah. Uh, In fact, he even he goes to the payphone, Calls her and then does a thing of like listening to her say hi and then hangs up on her.
0: And he looks afraid and he hangs up the phone really quickly. And we also notice on the date he says something about having not really dated much. So seems to be that there's something there's some kind of commitment issue. That's holding him back.
1: So Sean uh, has his next therapy session with, or Sean and Will have their next therapy session, and Sean takes Will out to the park. A quick, really quick side note: uh, that bench mm-hmm. after Robin Williams died became like a memorial, and there's like a there's at the time a, a petition to
0: put up a statue to Robin Williams at that bench, which I think would be awesome. Yeah. I don't know if they have or not, but that would be great.
1: But they go out to the park, and Sean begins what I think is probably my favorite moment of this entire movie my favorite scene like you you, we have like all these great monologues in movie history and i think this is up there with maybe the best monologue of all movie history Mm -hmm. i know there's some great ones out there Mm -hmm. i know like i realize when i say that that there are already ones coming to my head
0: and i don't even watch a lot of movies but it is it's just so good it really is it's incredible i'm gonna let you kind of flesh out what it is but i might have some thoughts about it
1: i will say before we kind of get into the content I really liked the director's choice to own to like zero in on Robin Williams face. Mm -hmm. And for most of it, we don't even get to see Matt Damon's face. Yeah. We just see Sean talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It isn't until he actually changes the conversation and starts addressing, uh, addressing Will directly that we finally see it start to pan over. And now the focus is back on Will's character.
0: Yeah. Which communicates a lot.
1: But we have Sean, who basically he starts out saying, you know, what? like you try to rip me apart, and tear me apart. And yeah, I was pretty upset. And then I then I realized something and I slept just fine after that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that you don't know anything and you don't really know anything you're actually talking about. Yeah. You've read all these books. You can quote all of these things. You can talk about war and love and stuff from all these different authors. But you've never really experienced these things yourself. And until you experience these things yourself, you have no room to talk.
0: Yeah. And it's tough. It's tough to hear him talk about it because, I mean, he's opening up about his life and he's he's opening up about how it's it's clearly it's not enough to just read about love or to read a a love poem at some point, but to have experienced love to experience that makes it different. He, He talked about, you know, you might have friends, but have you held your friend's head while he takes his last breath on on the battlefield? I mean, you you really start to see that no matter what Will wants to say there is no way that he can he can outtalk his way beyond this point that Sean is making he he has him really backed into a corner where he is challenging him to take things seriously if he wants to come into therapy be real about it be serious because there's a lot to dig into
1: i like uh he 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 tells will he goes that he's really invested in wanting to learn about will mm-hmm But he can't learn any. right now. He can't learn anything about Will that he can't read in a book.
0: Absolutely. Unless Will is actually willing to talk. And that is so interesting that he would say how much he wants to learn about him. But if all he's hearing are other people's words (laughs) that Will has read from a book, what's the point? So, yeah, that was that was such a good point.
1: Which a quick callback is the same thing that will accused that Harvard student of at the bar. Absolutely. Yeah. Not having an original thought.
0: Yeah. So good. So good. And, and then Sean does mention towards the end that, that Will might be terrified of what he might say and that Will has not gone deep either. This isn't just, hey, I don't want to open up. This is I haven't dug into myself. I, I don't even know what I would say. And there's a fear about what will come out when he opens up about his history, about what's going on inside of him. So that's uh, really, really important. He he de- he doesn't know himself.
1: Mm. We learned that uh, Sean's wife Nancy died from cancer. Yes, that there were periods where he was basically for two months straight sitting in the hospital with his mm-hmm. wife. Um, that they definitely went like this is where we start to get a glimpse that uh, things got really hard for Will. Yeah, and um, that that he's not had an easy life. No. And probably the, the happy, long, long lasting marriage that he hoped for, he didn't get.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Lots of struggle. And uh, and you start to see the richness in what he knows and how he helps people really does come from the experiences that he's had.
1: And so he ends the interaction by getting up and looking at Will's character and looking at Will and saying, you're a move, chief. Yeah. And then from that point on, refuses to talk to Will
0: Until Will speaks first. I love it. So good.
1: I love like Sean and Lambeau get into this argument about like, you can't just sit there for a whole, like, cause the next session they're going to sit there for a whole hour.
0: Yeah. And not talk to each other. Yeah. The only conversation that happens is when he comes in, he tries to smoke and Sean tells him that he can't smoke in there, which he smokes in a lot of scenes that he's in. And so it seems like Sean is kind of telling him like, put your crutches away. We got to deal with something here. And then, yeah, they, They begin the hour of silence at that point. And they sit there for a whole
1: hour and then and then Will Will leaves. And then Sean and Lambo fight. And Sean tells Lambo, I cannot talk first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has to be the first, he has to say the first word, or it's not gonna work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Will is trying to prove that he doesn't have to speak if he doesn't want to. And so if Sean were to step on that and to rush the process, it would not end well.
1: And so we come back, and the next therapy session, Will finally starts talking. And he tells this really stupid joke that we've already established Will hasn't left Boston ever. Right. But the joke is that he was on a plane going uh, somewhere else. Yeah. And Sean immediately calls him on that and says, You've never been on a plane, have you? And mm-hmm. and he's like, No, he goes, It's a joke. It's funny if I tell it in the first person. Yeah. yeah. But Will starts to start. Starts then to actually talk about himself. He talks about the fact that he actually does. He had this, this girl that he visited or that they had a date together, him and Skylar. And he hasn't called her back. Mm-hmm. And Sean deduces the reason why Will hasn't called her back is because he's afraid that either she won't be perfect or that he won't
0: be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. The, the more that they take things seriously, the more they'll realize that they aren't perfect.
1: Which leads to Sean telling a super funny story, which I don't know if you know,
0: this was completely ad libbed absolutely that I feel like that's the, the the piece of trivia that even the people who've never seen this movie know that Robin Williams just pulled that out of nowhere and it just so perfectly fit the movie it it, it needed to happen so you can actually see the camera jiggle in that moment <laughs> and so what I read online
1: uh pe- people believe that even the cameraman was laughing so in good. that moment but they kept it anyways because it was just such a good moment I
0: mean you can't not like it's, it's so genuine and maybe that's part of it because it was ad lit. I mean, it was, it was so genuine and they were both laughing. I oh, yeah. mean, it was, it it was so good and it was so real and human. And so I, if I were in the room, I, I could not smile. I don't know if I laughed out loud. I was in the library, but uh, I smiled and I really enjoyed the moment. If I had been in the room, there's no way I could have kept from laughing.
1: And this is kind of Robin Williams genius as a, as a comedic actor the story that he tells fits the point that he's trying to make as a character so perfectly that he knows he knew all the faults of Nancy. He mm-hmm. he, he knew all of Nancy's idiosyncrasies. Nancy knew, knew all of his, and they were willing to be imperfect with each other. And that's what metz would allowed them to come together like that. And he really is, is challenging uh will to do the same, to, to, Look at the other person's imperfection. Let them look at your imperfection and figure out if those two imperfections can 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 blend together.
0: Yeah. Because that's what's yours. And he's like, you know, there are so many people in life who who knew Nancy, but like it's it's the little things that we shared that that's that's what our marriage was. And it's so endearing. Again, the way that he tells that story gives you a picture into their marriage. It's it's a fictional marriage. I don't I don't know how Robin Williams tells stories. That are so real, but you believe it. And he's talking about a fictional woman who is written into a movie that he's never met. And yet he can tell the story as if they've built this life together and have something really special and important and worth sharing. And it was so good. At the end of the session,
1: then Will tries to get back into Sean's head. Yes. And kind of gets on to Sean that Sean has not been willing to even consider Looking for love from anyone else,
0: Mm -hmm. and that's when he is trying to flip it back onto him because there's there's something really uncomfortable for Will that Sean is actually getting to the point of vulnerability. Like you're not willing to be vulnerable, and Will almost senses that he's bringing that out because maybe Sean is not comfortable with being too vulnerable either. Yeah, and he's pulling that back around, and he's saying, "Okay, well." You're protecting yourself, too. If I'm protecting myself and keeping from being vulnerable with others because I I can't answer to some some things that have happened in my life, you are refusing to carry on with relationships. And it seems like you're trying to protect yourself as well.
1: Mm-hmm. And so once Will does that, Sean immediately ends the session.
0: Yes. Right away.
1: So after that, we see uh, Will now now kind of re, maybe rekindled from this talk with Sean heads to Harvard. Breaks into Skylar's dorm to try and rekindle things with her. They go on another date and we get to the next therapy session. And I realize, like, and maybe if if you've not watched the movie, it just seems like we kind of like all the other scenes are kind of, they are minor, but I really feel like that's the way the movie is. Mm -hmm. The therapy sessions are where the important stuff happens. The other stuff kind of is informed by what's going on in those therapy sessions. Yeah, It's
0: like they flesh it out, which again, seems like it's just in character for the movie that we're not just going based off of knowing that something's true. We have to see it fleshed out. We need to experience that it's being fleshed out. And I do really like that because when he's speaking with Skylar, he begins to open up and he he, he becomes more vulnerable with her and answers to the fact that he maybe uh, was worried about being a letdown to her, which is something that I didn't expect him to answer to. But he did and they give it a try and he actually ends up Working out an equation for her homework so that they could go out. So he's like beginning to make little sacrifices to make sure that they can be together, which is nice.
1: But they go to the dog races
0: Mm -hmm. and he lies to her. Yes. About his normal childhood. And the fact that he has 12 older brothers. Yes. And man, he names them off twice. If, man if you're a genius like that i guess you can we well, have an reply, but man alive he he says those names so quickly you believe that he must have 12 brothers yeah
1: and so they get and so we come back to the next therapy session and the really the theme of this therapy session is regret
0: yes uh will is pushing it and asking if he regrets meeting his wife and that opens up that discussion
1: and we see this really fun interaction where Rob williams is talking about game six of the world series <laughs> sean is and uh sean talks about the uh, the really cool things that happened and and uh, was it Pudge? Yeah, I think so. That hit the home run, and then he says, and I didn't see any of that because I was at a bar, uh, me uh, hanging out with my future wife. Yeah, and Will loses it. Yeah, he's like, how could you be at a bar when that's going on? Yeah, and, and he's like, I don't regret the eighteen years I was married to Nancy. I don't regret the six years I had to give up counseling when she got sick, and I don't regret the last years when she got really sick, and I sure don't regret missing the game mm-hmm. that's regret
0: yeah absolutely and that's so good because again you're not aware of that during the game you, you're just or during the discussion about the game you're just hearing about this incredible game that will knew about and we he had know tickets for. he had tickets for it so he chose he chose to go what did he say see about a girl he chose to oh, yeah. see that, about that a girl important. Uh-huh. <laughs> chose to see about a girl. Instead of seeing that incredible game. And then it is funny. He brings it back around afterwards and he's like, well, I didn't know that. Like it was going to be that good of a game. (laughs) I didn't didn't know Budge was going to hit a home run. (laughs) But it's so good. I mean, oh, the, the dialogue is just incredible.
1: But I think we get we still get to see then Sean really loved Nancy. Yes. And Nancy was his entire world. Yes. And so losing Nancy, he's lost a part of himself.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So we cut back Will and Skylar together again. uh, And now Skylar is wanting to know more about Will. And Will is still trying to keep Skylar at arm's length. Skylar wants to see Will's friends and see uh, we meet Will's brothers that he doesn't really have. And threatens to withhold sex if she does not get to meet Will's friends. And so the scene transitions, them go to the bar and Will and Skylar hang out with the rest of, uh, of Will's friends. Laughing and joking with each other, but still refusing to bring Skylar home.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's clear at this point that she is asking for vulnerability. She's pushing the envelope, and she is saying, "I want to know more." And that is not something Will wants to respond to. So yeah, it goes out and well, I guess you could see my friends. You can meet my friends, but maybe not brothers at this point. So then from there, now the the kind of the
1: way I I. Lay, I I labeled this this next scene as Lambo changes the plan. Mm. So Lambo is going to meet with Sean at Sean's local watering hole and they're going to get together and talk and they get into this disagreement over what the next steps for Will should be. Yeah, Uh, Lambo is trying really hard to push Will into a career
0: that can use his genius and Sean's concerned that Will's not ready yet. Which is so interesting because they are both having these conversations about what wills future is and wills not there for it yeah and so lambo is sitting there trying to explain what his vision is for wills future and sean is just saying you can't force him to do something that he's not interested in doing and so you definitely see the heart behind both of these men's perspectives on will you you see which one has an interest in wills good and which one might be using Will for other means for his own gain? For his own gain.
1: And uh, the kind of scene kind of ends with Lambo, and then with Lambo and Sean fighting, and Lambo tells Sean that he wasn't really coming here to discuss this with Sean; he was informing him of what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. That there's already a meeting set up with with protect prospective places for Will to get a job.
0: Yeah, yeah. So again, kind of fleshed out experientially, we're seeing that. Sean does not want to see will choose the big game over the girl. Mm. He sees that will has an opportunity for real life. I mean, real good, rich life uh, that doesn't have anything to do with money or finances or fame or anything like that. Or even his genius or even his genius. It's, it's the real things in life. And he is so worried to go back to that story that we just heard about the big game. He's worried that will is going to give up an opportunity out of fear to be with the woman that he loves and chase after this other experience that is not worthy of having necessarily.
1: I do think this is the kind of the first kind of the first moments so we have. Uh, professor Lambeau is this kind of pompous kind of arrogant kind of air of superiority kind of professor. Mm-hmm. And we start to see his, his fear and insecurities bubble to the surface yeah. in the scene. Yeah. He's trying to force will to be the person that he wished he could be.
0: Yeah. He knows that will is beyond him. And he he can't handle the fact that Will doesn't have an interest in being who he would be if he had that those qualifications. Yep.
1: So we figure out that Lambeau's setting up these meetings of potential job placements, but Will decided not to go to the first meeting. He sends Chucky there instead. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> and Chucky's like he, he's just spitting out every like every like nonsensical line that he can after another it extorts him for like sixty-seven bucks. <laughs>
0: it's the weirdest scene you don't expect it it's just so funny it's so funny
1: and will shows him not to go to this meeting because he has another date with skylar
0: yes another date which is again showing what's really important to him it's coming out
1: during this date we get another glimpse on how will's brain works yes Uh, he says that all this like advanced science and mathematics just comes naturally to him yeah the way the piano comes naturally naturally to beethoven yeah mm-hmm. he doesn't think about it he doesn't have to think about it it just happens mm-hmm. like he just like beethoven goes up to get sit at the piano and play the piano he just walks up and is able to play
0: yes yeah it's just natural for him and he begins to open up more so that she can see who he is in these conversations and it's making her fall for him and then he's surprised by the connection that they're making. So I remember the scene, I think when she's kissing him in that scene, it's almost it's like it's taking him off guard that things are actually working well. Well, that and she's also inviting him to go to Stanford
1: now with yeah. her, to go to California with yeah.
0: her. Come to California with me, she says.
1: And that's when things start going downhill for Will. Yeah. Will is starting, so I kind of like. The trajectory of the music, like, Will's been, things have been going, getting better for Will. Things are going well, really going well with Lambo. He has potential for these jobs that are going to bring in, that could potentially make him lots of money. Uh, Things are going well with his relationship with Skylar. They're going well with Sean. And it's, now it's getting too good. Yep. And he needs to blow everything up before it blows up on him. Yep. Absolutely. And that, so the first, the first victim of this is Skylar. Yep. And so they get into this argument. He basically start, he goes right back to all of the things that he was doing before of using his logic to break down the other person. Yeah. Break Skylar down. And then at the end, when she is crying over, over the interaction, she looks at him and says, just tell me you don't love me. And and then I, I can, at least then I'll know because she tells will that she loves him. And he looks at her and says, "I don't love you," and then
0: storms out of her Storms yeah.
1: out of of her dorm room,
0: yeah, basically ending the relationship. And that's so hard to watch because she's combating his intellectualizing the entire situation with compassion and vulnerability. I mean, she is meeting him with love. Oh yeah, and he finally opens up. Hey, to your point, he's he's going to wreck the whole thing before it wrecks on him. He he does become vulnerable and he talks about his past and the fact that his brothers aren't real and that he was an orphan uh, and in a foster home where he was abused and it breaks her down and she connects with him. And while he is panicked and he's like an animal in a corner, she is connecting with him and she's trying to say, I love you. Like that, that those experiences aren't going to keep me from loving you, but he cannot handle it. And he, he leaves. Yep. So he
1: runs away. The next the next victim then becomes Lambo. Mm-hmm. Uh he goes and and hands over this this uh proof to a theorem that uh Lambo himself could not solve. Mm-hmm. And he's lo- and Lambo's looking at it, trying to like and and, he, and and Will's like, no, it's right. Yeah. Like it's it's just right. Like you 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 can look over it all you want. It's right.
0: Yeah. He's he's getting impatient and he's getting it's like he's annoyed by the work now. And so while Lambo is trying to figure it out and he's still content and he is still optimistic about the future, you can see that Will is watching him look over the paper and he's getting annoyed that this is something that he has to walk through. He's getting over the work now.
1: He Will tells Lambo that this math is so easy that it's a joke to him. Yeah. Math that Lambo himself cannot do Will considers to be a joke. And Lambeau, it drives
0: Lambo nuts.
1: Yeah. To the point that in this experience to kind of
0: dig at lambo will burns the proof and lambo is on his hands that, and knees that's
1: the point and i think that's that's the important part uh-huh. this this professor that's had this air of superiority has humbled himself and has is like groveling at will's knees uh and he's lost all of that kind of arrogance and you start to see that lambo expresses that actually he expresses that he wishes he never even knew will existed yeah Because he sees Will is throwing away this gift, this gift that he wants so
0: bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's not haunted that Will is necessarily better than him in this area. He's haunted that Will would not value it the way that he would if he were in that situation. And this is where it shows you that Lambeau doesn't care about him. Because if you're willing to tell somebody, I wish I never knew you because then I wouldn't have to know that your skill set that I value wouldn't be taken advantage of. I wish that I didn't know you. He's willing to throw away the relationship. It was a purely professional relationship in which he was willing to use this person to, for his own gains. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's hard to watch here. It, It seems to kind of show that the concerns that will has about people and about his interaction with people and how much of a struggle that's been in the past it does happen with all of these relationships.
1: Yeah. We may get into this at the end. That's not really part of my point, but Lambo is at this point, he is acting probably the same way that all these other people that have wronged will in the past yeah. have also acted. Yeah. When they don't, when they can't get what they want out of him, mm-hmm. they want nothing to do with will. Yeah. And that's the dichotomy between Lambo and Sean, where Sean's going to be the next attack. He's going to, he's going to receive Will's wrath next. Mm-hmm. And Sean's not still not willing to give up on Will.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So good. I don't know, man, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were really young. Yeah. When they wrote young. this and I don't know how they wrote something this impressive. I'm impressed And by they didn't it. write anything else again after that. I don't think I don't think they've really written anything else of important importance after this. I'm not sure. But man, it's so good. It's so good.
1: So Will has a meeting with the NSA and again, breaks, completely tears down the meeting, doesn't take it seriously mm-hmm. at all. And actually is quoting exactly what he said to the people, of the NSA to Sean, because the scene transitions in the middle of, of of what will is saying from the NSA office to Sean's office. Mm -hmm. And Sean ends up kind of looking at will and says, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. And really point blank just says, what do you want? And will immediately goes back on the defensive again, Mm -hmm. because he doesn't want ever actually to have to talk, really talk about himself. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And he goes right back to his old standbys of trying to argue and tear down the other person. He starts to attack Sean to try and get under his skin. But Sean doesn't bite. Yeah. And he continues to ask, Will, what do you want to do?
0: Yeah. Sean is pointing out how problematic it is when the only people you allow to be close to you are authors of books that you've read who are all dead and there's no dialogue. And they can't give you can't give back to them. And this is kind of what I was mentioning earlier. Mm -hmm where Sean recognizes that his relationship with people is about give and take.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he struggles with seeing Will only have relationships with people who can't benefit also from Will. And he recognizes he's benefiting from Will.
1: So uh, Will kind of stands quietly and, and Sean states, but I ask you after Sean again has asked, what do you want to do? And Will just stands there not saying anything, Sean states, but I ask you a very simple question. You can't give me a straight answer because you don't know. For the first time, Will doesn't have a response. Yeah. You can't just quote a book. (laughs) And before this, his response is, well, I'll just be a shepherd because he's just going to be insincere. And Will's and and Sean is going to throw Will out. He's like, well, we're done here then. Yeah. And this is the first time that Sean's going to end this, end the meeting that Will does not want to end the meeting. Because Sean has become that important to him.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And but Sean's response is, well, if you're not going to be sincere, then there's no point for us to even talk to each
0: other. Right. Absolutely. Uh,
1: so things continue to spiral for spiral for Will. He's given up on this relationship with Skylar. And, and now he's not even meeting with Sean. He misses the next meeting with Sean completely. And then we get to this conversation between Will and Chucky
0: at, at, at their work. I like this conversation because I, I, I didn't love Ben Affleck's portrayal in this movie. Um, and I know what he was going for. And he's he's trying and we're going to see in the scene he's trying to be someone. Who doesn't take things very seriously, mm-hmm. like on purpose? But this was the scene where it becomes serious, and he's able to connect with Will on a different level. Yeah, and be in in him, be vulnerable in a way that mm-hmm. I I enjoyed seeing.
1: So they have this conversation, and Will basically says that he's just gonna he's gonna be doing this basically the same thing for the next fifty years. Mm-hmm. And Chucky says, "If you're doing the same thing in twenty years, I'm gonna beat you up." Yeah. Is you have a winning lottery ticket and you're and you're throwing it away.
0: Yeah. And and it's almost like it's a dichotomy between Lambeau and Chucky because Lambeau is saying, look, you could do more and it benefits me. Come to me to do something so that I could benefit. And Chucky is saying you could do more. But without me, he's saying one of the best parts of walking up to your house every day when I come to pick you up for work is the thought that maybe you won't be there because you've gone and done something else with your life something better with your life and so it shows that lambo was drawing him in and almost grooming him so he could take advantage of him and chucky was willing to give him up in order to see him do the same thing and that was really touching again like yeah it's it, it was really good to see ben affleck play that character in a way that it was really believable that he wanted to see his friend he so badly wanted to see him live life well and he's resolved that he'll be doing the same thing. He, he yeah. goes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to sleep, and it's
1: gonna. Be, I'm gonna wake up. It's gonna be yeah. 50 years. Now I'm gonna be doing the exact same thing. But you have a real chance to do something
0: else. Yeah, he knows that about himself, but he's not willing to see that for his friend.
1: And so they have this conversation. It doesn't really go anywhere at this point, but it started. You, you can tell it's starting to maybe, maybe get Will thinking about something about about what does he really want? Right. Like that Question's still hanging. That question has not been answered yet. What does Will? Actually, want. Right. Not what Lambo wants for him, not what Chucky wants for him. What does he want to do? Absolutely. And this kind of brings us then to the real kind of climax of the story. Yeah. So Sean and Lambo are, uh we kind of come to the scene, we're in Sean's office and Sean and Lambo are arguing with each other. And at first, they're arguing with each, with each other about Will. Yeah. And then very quickly, that conversation turns into attacking each other. About each other, yeah, gets ugly, yeah, real ugly, and you realize that Will standing outside the door listening to most of this conversation, yeah, for a while,
0: yeah, he hears a lot of things,
1: yeah, and so Will finally comes in, and Lambo and Lambo leaves, and this is probably the second what you think is probably what we kind of portrayed as the second to last session for for Will, yeah, uh, he's almost out of the program at this point, point. and they kind of connect over the shared experience that they were both abused by their fathers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Will wants to know if, if Sean has actually experienced abuse Yeah, and Sean opens up about his own past and what he's experienced when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Then Sean turns it back on Will and wants Will to understand that everything that's happened to him, all the injustices that have happened to him over the years. And we get this kind of famous line. And this is, if you've not seen it, this is where the probably where this, this is where the scene comes from that, other media, other shows and movies have ripped off of that. It's not Will's fault. Yeah. And he just keeps repeating that
0: line over and over and over again. that it's not his fault, not your fault. It's not your fault. And you can see it's weird because it's totally believable. Like how Matt Damon is responding. It's totally believable, but it's in really clear incremental responses where at first he's like, I know. And then, and then he says something that's a little more, uh, uneasy about it. And then the next thing that he says is a little more vulnerable. And then the next thing that he says is a little more emotional. And with each response that he has, it's a very clear step towards a necessary breakdown mm-hmm. to understand where he really stands. But it is so important for him to understand. I mean, the key for him to understand that moving forward in life and having a meaningful life with the people around him, he has to recognize that his history is not his fault. The things that have been done to him, if he believes it's his fault, no matter who he comes in contact with, he will not open up. But if he can just realize that these things had been done to him and he is not the problem, he might begin to open up finally to people who he knows he can trust.
1: And this causes Will to break down? Yes. And he just hugs, uh, hugs Sean, like grips him super tight, and they just stand, sit there while Will is just weeping. Super emotional. And I I wrote in there. This is the first per- Sean now is the first person that Will actually let get close to.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Even his friends, he kind of still keeps a little bit yeah. at arm's reach. Mm-hmm. Even Chucky, who's his closest friend, mm-hmm. he never really gets let's get too close. Yeah. And other than some of the physical interactions between Will and Skylar, I think this is really the only other physical react, but physical kind of thing that. Will has embraced someone else.
0: Right. And, and it does seem that way because we hear in the conversation between Sean and Lambeau that Lambo uh, Lambeau was calling his friends, these gorillas, like he's just hanging out with these gorillas and he's really taking a dig at them. And Sean points out he is friends with them because he knows he can trust them because they'll take a bullet for him. And it shows that like he does recognize the value in those relationships, but it hasn't been taken beyond that point he can't really open up to them he can trust them and he knows that they care about him but not much beyond that and then even with Skylar to that point I feel like any interactions that they've had are sexual sexual yeah and it doesn't go beyond that and so you really do see again to your point when he's interacting with Sean in this moment it is completely walls come down and he is finally who he really is and it cuts deeper than even the connection that he had with Skylar up until this point.
1: And so they they embrace. Then they kind of we we leave that scene. Um, Sean is given a or not Sean. Will's given a, a new car by
0: his, by his friends. So nice.
1: Yeah, not not a nice car, but it's <laughs> it's a car that
0: runs. Really nice gesture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to the final session between Will and Sean. Yeah. And Sean expresses that he is going to be leaving, Mm -hmm. that he is now uh, pulling from a line that Will had used against him earlier Mm -hmm. in the film, that he's going to put his chips back on the table and, and try again, that he's that Sean's finally willing to let other people get close to him again.
0: Yeah. So he has healed right along with Will.
1: They make plans to keep in contact with each other and then they leave. And you can tell Will really doesn't want to leave, mm-hmm. but they leave anyways because they have to. Yeah. Then we get a couple scenes that kind of are, you can tell are kind of happening co- concurrently with each other. Mm-hmm. They kind of flip, keep flipping back and forth. Will is taking some time to think finally about what he actually wants. He yeah. Li- at first he was going to take one of these jobs that was offered to him. Yeah. Through Lambo. Mm-hmm. And now he is dropping this letter off at Sean's house in his, in his, in his mailbox. And while that scene's going on, Chucky and 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 the gang are pulling up to Will's house. Chucky goes up to knock on the door,
0: and Will's gone. So good. I haven't enjoyed a three minute span of a movie more than this one in a really long time. I will say,
1: like, I know you were kind of like you were talking about, like, you didn't really like Ben Affleck's character in mm-hmm. this, but Ben Affleck's acting in that moment of going from
0: confusion
1: to realization to just happiness for yeah. what this means for his friend yeah
0: so 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 good so good i mean though oh it's so good when he's realizing that his friend is gone and is happy about it and then will is uh leaving the letter for sean explaining i mean it is just so perfect in, in right you are probably getting ready to say the letter says uh-huh. like i've gone to see about a girl and yep. it's like oh my gosh i wanted if i had seen that in a theater <laughs> Forget Marvel movies. I'm not going to jump out of my seat for a Marvel movie, but I would have jumped out of my seat and been so, I was so excited to see that he was willing to turn down that job and even leave his friends to finally be vulnerable enough to leave everything and move far away for this girl. I mean, it was just oh so good. It's the perfect ending. I mean, it's, it's just so good to see because you, you start to really sense that maybe the movie's not going to end with like, Oh, he gets the girl and you don't want it to be, cliche and it's not no he ends we, up with a girl and it's honestly, not we cliche don't,
1: we, we don't even he just, all the we see the car driving on the highway we assume towards california yeah. and that's where the movie ends yeah
0: we yeah. know he didn't he we know that he quit his construction job because he's not showing up we know that he didn't go for the new job which he Ooh. does apologize for yeah he does yeah but it, it is just it's so good to see the love from his friends and the connection with robin williams before he leaves. And it's just like the perfect three minutes. And that's the movie. I loved it. Well, good job. I think that we covered it pretty well. We might have covered it really deeply because we (laughs) did add a lot of commentary, but the movie's so good. And that's part of the problem for me is that I came into this knowing that you enjoyed it, but not being sure how I was going to walk away from it. And again, realizing I just wasn't ready for it the first time I was looking for pure entertainment value. And now seeing just such a real story, I loved it. I loved this movie.
1: It might be worth noting. Uh, this movie won Best Screenplay with the Academy Awards, the Critic Choice Awards, and the Golden Globes.
0: Did pretty well for itself.
1: Yeah. Which makes Matt Damon and Ben Affleck the youngest recipients of uh the Academy Awards for Best
0: Screenplay. Crazy. Some of those awards, I don't know how they give these things out. Sometimes I don't agree that like movies are as great as they say they are, but this movie was was award worthy. It was so good. And so, yeah, I talked about how much I liked it, but we're going to talk about our ratings at the end of the episode. But right now we're going to leave the storytelling aspect and we're going to move towards maybe the more uh, theological or philosophical themes behind the movie. And I know for me, it really stood out how much this movie is about how inauthentic knowledge about something alone really is. If experience isn't the point you you have to experience something for it to make a difference. We can fill our heads with all kinds of knowledge like he did, but when it doesn't go deeper than that, then it's, it's shallowness, no matter how much, you know. And so I was just thinking about that. That's the philosophical point, but from a more, from application, it leans more into theology where, the concept can be applied to the difference between like religion and relationship because religion is typically about having like the correct knowledge about life or knowledge that others don't have about the true meaning of things. And there's importance to that knowledge. It's, it's about knowledge and relationship is about a person. And if we believe that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that is altogether different than this religion that becomes all about knowledge. And it's to me the difference between doctrines and Jesus Christ um, or using knowledge about God to do the right things to be accepted by him or knowing how much we need God's grace and that his love for us gives us access to him. And I guess in more like uh, uh, daily life illustrations, it reminds me of the idea of looking at a dating profile and then seeing the person in front of you. What, what Will was doing previous to coming upon this vulnerability that he learned was like looking at dating profiles. If, if I sat down and I learned about my wife on our first date, I came in with her dating profile and I knew everything about her, but I didn't know who she was. It's all just facts and figures. It's just data. But then once I get to know who she is, it's completely different Or on that note, it's the difference between like premarital counseling and marriage, where premarital counseling is just about all of these things that could happen. You don't know what it's like to go through them. You're just preparing. But then marriage is where it really happens. Or parenting, which is very real and experiential and relational parenting versus like an Instagram profile with parenting advice. Helpful. Knowledge is helpful, but it has to supplement the thing itself, which is parenting, and so with all of these things, it just reminds me that we we don't want to just be religious people who know a lot about religion we We want to know the depth of love that comes from really knowing who God is and therefore making it about a relationship
1: and I, and I think I can speak, Evan here. It's not that we're not saying that it's not that we wouldn't say that doctrine isn't important oh absolutely what what we believe is still very important, yes. But how we live that out is vastly more
0: important than just having the knowledge. Those things supplement. There's nothing wrong with Will knowing all the stuff about economics and uh, all of these theories and math and uh, law. That's a great thing, but it's meant to supplement life. And so to your point, yeah, I mean, uh, doctrine is a beautiful thing, but it's meant to supplement a deep relationship with God. If we know everything that there is to know about doctrine, but we don't know love, if we don't know God. If we don't have that relationship with Him, then all of those doctrines are completely meaningless. And that's even that is very
1: biblical. I mean, we have in First Corinthians thirteen where Paul is saying, "I could basically be the best of the best when it comes to following Jesus. If I don't love other people, it's all pointless."
0: Yeah, yeah. That love that comes from God has to be understood and experienced, which again takes it a step deeper than just religion and takes it into relationship. So you just Again, like summing up really quickly, and then we can move to yours. But once Will understood what was possible with real, like vulnerable love, he left the incredible job that was going to earn him a lot of money. He left prestige that he would have gotten at that job. He left his friends, including Sean, you know, he left his therapist that he really became vulnerable with Mm -hmm. to chase after Skylar. So if we can see what God's love and grace is all about, it's likely to become more worthwhile to chase after God than to keep prioritizing other details in life. So that's my takeaway. I went in a, a little, kind of a different direction. Okay.
1: So last week, how we were kind of, ours were kind of similar. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're not very similar at all this time. <laughs> I believe as, uh, especially we see this in the creation story, that we are all made, we are made to be in communion with
0: other people. Absolutely.
1: Uh, we see that God, the, the, the one thing that kind of God looks at that, that wasn't really good enough was that he makes Adam by himself. Mm-hmm. And without, without Eve, it's not, it's not good enough. Yeah. And so we're supposed to be in communion with people, but when we stop being with, in communion with other people, and, and I'm not talking about communion is like, oh, like we're just hanging out, like, but real intimacy with, with another person, mm-hmm. things start to fall apart and parts of our life start to break down. Yeah. It affects every part of our life. Yeah. We kind of see, and and honestly, I think we can see this in kind of the things that maybe prevent us from connecting with people through will Lambo and Sean will has a fear to trust others. And he has a reason for that. He's been wronged by lots of people in his life and he's just decided not to ever trust anybody. Right. And so if you don't trust someone, if you don't let someone in, you can't really be intimate with that person. Mm -hmm. Lambo, it has completely given in this idea that he's inadequate, right? He's so afraid that he won't be good enough. That. He has to, he has to keep this area of air superiority over other people Mm. to, to counteract that inadequacy that he's feeling. Right. And then Sean is just, he's lost the love of his life and he's afraid of losing again. Yeah. And so these people have chosen to keep people at arm's length. I mean, Lambo's is not even embracing Tom, his assistant who loves him, like not love as in, as in a romantic way, but like adores him. Yeah. And. He keeps Tom, even keeps Tom at arm's length. He doesn't really ever embrace Tom the way that he embraced Will. Mm -hmm. And so we have to, we have to establish these intimate relationships with with other people if we want to have fulfilling lives ourselves.
0: Yeah, because I mean, that's being created in the image of God and the ways that that worked itself out in the, in the Genesis story we have that God watches Adam and Adam come about and uh, has the potential to fulfill those ways that God is, uh, that, that Adam can look like God. And yet the one way that it just becomes so clear that it's missing is communion that God uh, with father and the son and the Holy spirit are all in eternal communion together. And then when he looks at Adam by himself, it's like, man, that is not good. It's, it's not right. And it's not in my image. And so it is so important. And you do see whether it's in this movie or generally in life, once that communion, real meaningful communion is lost, it can be catastrophic.
1: There's actually, I didn't read it, but if you go to IMDB's website and they talk about like the little, like their little description of the movie, it talks about Will finding his soulmate, which is something we didn't talk about, but there's a conversation between when they're talking about what does Will want? It originally, Sean is asking Will, who's your soulmate? Who's that person that that like you've invested in and whatnot mm-hmm. that can speak to your, speak to your soul and challenge you and things like that. We all have to have people in our lives that we can be, have that level of intimacy. I'm not saying we need to be intimate with everyone around us, yeah, but we need to have people that we allow in mm-hmm. and that, that we are also allowed into
0: their life. Yeah. So important. And, and again, you see with Will as he's growing up when he didn't have that close communion, with people, especially during uh, such important times in his life, it scarred him really badly. And so did you have anything else you wanted to say about your takeaway before we move on to some other things? And these can just briefly be mentioned. But if there are other themes that can be discussed, we can definitely talk about nature versus nurture because it's, uh, it's, it's the whole basis of the movie is that there are certain predispositions that we carry with us And many of them do come from experience and they're learned and will had such deep issues, such deep issues that were passed down through this kind of generational trauma, which is another theme that can be discussed. But the damage that was done by the person, the foster parents that he had been with uh, had had affected the rest of his life. Had he not gotten into therapy, met Sean and then learned, learned through uh, Nurture, uh, learned how to then relate to people better. And so you see this person who had a really healthy and productive uh, walk through from generational trauma that was passed down to him onto finally a healthy way of relating to people. And it was really good. That's why the story is just so real. I feel like it's all around us. So many people struggle with similar things, even if it might not be too, the extent that will has dealt with things. We see people going through some really serious pain that has been handed to them. And to see healing in this way is something that's so beautiful. And I, I loved seeing that in this movie.
1: And I think if we're honest with each, with ourselves, we all have things in our life that unfortunately were put there by our parents, by friends, by other family members that Maybe we're never we're not even placed there maliciously. Mm-hmm. They just happened. Yeah, I think people should be encouraged. I think sometimes the church doesn't always do this. I think it's getting better in the church. People should be encouraged that it's okay to go see a therapist. Mm-hmm. It's okay to go see a counselor. It's okay to go to someone and talk to someone and try and work through these things. Yeah. so that you have a more fulfilling life.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think we we've kind of the old Christian way of thinking about it is like if you just love God, if you serve God enough. It's just going to take care of everything, but I think God sometimes looks at us and says, "Hey, I've given these people the ability to talk to you and these ability to help you understand what's going on to work through some of these things. Use them."
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it takes away our responsibility. We we see that God has created us for this idea of shalom and this idea of flourishing and in, in fl- flourishing in every aspect of life. And there is a certain amount of responsibility to that. You you don't just by loving Him. Flourish in in every way. He wants to see us walk through a process of uh, healing in certain ways that uh, damage has been done and different things like that, so that we can know Him and glorify Him through different aspects of our lives. And so, it's so important for us to recognize that uh, this process of healing is the business that God is in, and He does allow us resources to accomplish that. And I know I personally have experienced. Healing in this way through through therapy in a way that there have been things that I, I simply was completely incapable of processing on my own, and through walking through these things with a therapist has completely opened up my understanding of who God is. And had I been left without those resources, I'd be a different person. Um, and this was all post seminary. I'd been through Bible college and seminary, and still had a very uh, damaged understanding of who God was because of things that I've been through and so it's not just about education it's not just about Bible college it's not just about a relationship with God I really needed help and so it's so good that we see that form of healing and see that this is what God is for he wants to see us heal and experience flourishing in a way that shows the world how good he is
1: any other thoughts on philosophical or spiritual aspects of the movie
0: I don't think so. I think I'm ready to move on to In Your Opinion. Okay. All right. I don't have an In Your Opinion this week. Sweet. I have a couple. Okay. So I was wondering what your thoughts were on the idea of whether uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were worth all the hype. Did they live up to, to the hype? Because they were so known for this movie and what they did at such a young age through writing this movie. What are your thoughts on the rest of their career?
1: I wasn't going to bring this up, but at one point there were other, the one of the production companies, I think the first one that, that originally had this movie, they were pushing for Leonardo DiCaprio and B- Brad Pitt to play these roles. <sighs> they were trying to push out Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Mm-mm-mm. And I don't think it would have been, honestly, I think one of the reasons why they do live up to the height is them both being from Boston, who these characters are, They've been around these characters. They yeah. understand the culture. They understand what's going on. Matt Damon went to Harvard, so he has some intelligence. Mm-hmm. I think. They can kind of embody these characters in a way that other people could not embody them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that you can tell that, like, it's, it's lived, especially with Matt Damon. So so my take on this is Matt Damon, I feel like lives up to the hype. I, I love Matt Damon. I feel like he has done such a great job. Uh, taking uh, uh, even furthering his career beyond this point and just doing a good job at what he does. Mm. Ben Affleck. I'm not a big fan of. I'm not a big fan of Ben Affleck either. I like Casey Affleck a lot better. If I'm going to have to choose between the two brothers, I like Casey. I think he's hilarious and, uh, and he does a great job in this movie and he's just fun for me to watch. But Ben Affleck and never been a big fan
1: when they, when they announced that Ben Affleck was going to be Batman. I was a little
0: disappointed. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things, you know. So do they do they live up to the hype? I do think that Matt Damon has, but Ben Affleck, I don't know. But but I think that can kind of lead into another. In your opinion, if we were to to want to leave this in, but do you think that this kind of authentic storytelling at the beginning of their careers was better than the blockbusters that they would that that would come out later on? Should should we have? <laughs> Uh, appreciated a reality in which Matt Damon and Ben Affleck continued to make these kind of stories or are we glad that Ben Affleck is uh, uh Batman and Matt Damon was in Elysium where he's, you know, off in space doing this or that. I mean, they've made some really big movies.
1: Yeah. I think of Matt Damon, when I think of Matt Damon, I end up thinking of the Bourne series. Mm-hmm. That's kind of probably what I think of more than anything else. Yeah. I'm glad they went on to blockbusters. Yeah. Well, I'm
0: not. I disagree.
1: (laughs) This is the first time we've disagreed on an an, in your opinion. Yeah.
0: Well, it is only a second episode. We did two tests before that, though. And we haven't we haven't disagreed yet. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I'm I like blockbusters. I, I think that they serve a purpose. But man, I just I walked away from this movie having such an appreciation for just people and humanity and what God does through his people. And I loved Seeing people portray something deeper, and I feel and 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 again, I mean, the point of this podcast being able to see, I believe that God can be glorified through everything. We can look at the way that He communicates through everything, and that's going to come through in all of our podcasts. He can be appreciated through all of these things. Blockbusters might be the one thing that it's hard to glorify God through because it seems to be a little shallow to me. I don't know, but I loved this story.
1: I will say, I think Matt Damon does a really good job, whether it's a blockbuster or yeah. a serious movie of Really embodying the character that he's playing. He does do a
0: great job. I think Matt Damon is, is I think he's underappreciated for his skill at acting. I think so too, which is a lot because he has a lot of respect. But Ben Affleck almost seems to have more respect than Matt Damon does. I don't think Matt Damon's a better actor. Yeah. So weird. I don't know. Well, that takes us to our next point. Okay. So after covering the movie, after talking about some of the themes, uh, philosophical or theological, however you look at it, we look at in your opinion, which is a very shallow question that we just have about the movie or the content. Now we get to our ratings. How would you rate this movie? I'm going to give it a 7.8. 7.8. We chose this movie for you, man. <laughs> Movies you
1: love. So I wasn't going to talk about this. I was in a different headspace. I think the first time I watched this movie Yeah. and there's some nostalgia and some things that were happening in that time that I can't get into They're personal matters. That made me really get into the movie when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. I watch it again. Basically, if I could cut out the first part of the movie, cut out all of the interaction between Will and his friends and just get the interaction between Will and Sean, I'd probably give this a higher rating. Okay. But the like the beginning part, I understand the importance. I understand that we need that to set the tone for who these characters are. I know why it's there. I get it but it's just my least favorite part of the movie. Okay. And I can't give it a higher rating. If, if I'm going to, if I was going to like look on my shelf, of like not that I have physical movies, a lot of physical movies, but if I had like a shelf of physical movies, this is not one of the first movies I would grab and say, I am going to watch Good Bill hunting. Okay. So I agree that. Yes. I, I when, when we originally playing this, I told uh, Evan that this was one of my favorite movies, but I think after watching
0: it again, I've decided it's probably not one of my favorites, but one I really, really enjoy. And that's okay. Things can change because ironically things change for me because having watched this when I was younger and not appreciating it, I thought I wouldn't like it. And then it turns out I loved it. So we kind of switched places. This is now a movie I love and it's not a movie you love. That's okay. That's all. I'll, I'll take it from you, but that's, that's so interesting. So you rated hook in the last episode as 8.5. And I would still, I think I like hook better than this movie. Okay. So that stands. Okay. Um, as far as our two test episodes, which remain unreleased, maybe at a later date, you gave Encanto 8.8. 8, so a full point higher than I'm this good movie. With good with that. And then P.S. I love you. The classic P.S. I love you. You gave a 6.7. So you would give a full point higher to Goodwill Hunting than P.S. I love you.
1: Yeah, I, I can. I can. I can hold to that.
0: They hold up. All right. Well, I'm I'm happy with that. That's very nice uh, for me because we switch places here. I'm going to give it a 9.3.
1: This is the highest thing I think you've given any movie that we've watched so far. For sure. Again, we're early on the podcast, but
0: but we have four movies. And yeah, I give it a 9.3. I love this movie. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. I'm currently speaking to my wife about watching it with me. And I'm telling her she probably has to wait um, until just before the podcast comes out so that she can watch it and then listen to the podcast with fresh mind on all of it but i love this movie i thought it was great enjoyed the acting love the actors Minnie driver was fantastic i loved her in here um matt damon was fantastic and then robin williams is always a classic i just loved it i love the storytelling and it is something that i guess touches me more deeply than other movies could so in a lot of different ways it lines up for me so i'm gonna give it it's not a perfect movie but i'm gonna give it a 9.3 it's good Mm -hmm. it's really good for me
1: OK, so you shared my other, so just so the audience has a record of the other two movies that we haven't seen yet or mm-hmm.
0: that, that are unreleased. Yes. So what were your because
1: I don't have those. You have that. I'm sure that you have that
0: in front of you. Yes. OK. So when we covered Encanto, which was the first test that we did, which, man, I, I love that movie. It was really, really good. She had not seen before. I had not seen it before this. And they're going to after this first season of movies that we loved, we're going to have some movies mixed in that we haven't seen before. So that's going to make things interesting. But for me, I gave Encanto an 8.8. Um, I thought it was really good. I really enjoyed it. So 8.8 for Encanto. And then I gave P.S. I Love You a 7. And then I gave Hook an 8. So depending on how the, those line up, I, I definitely give this one my highest rating out of all four movies we've seen.
1: And we won't every episode go through and recount all of our no, ratings we before. No, we won't. Um, but since since it was brought up, I figured it was, it's fair that the audience also gets to hear
0: your ratings for, the, for Encanto and PSI love you. Yes. So that's that's the episode. We've run through everything except for one key piece of information, which we will always end our episodes leading into the next. And I have no idea what it is. You have no idea. He I'm, he so graciously allows me to produce all the content. and I love it. The preview for the next episode is a movie that we both love. One that we had on both of our lists. It's from 1987. Do you have any guesses? No. Oh, man, it is The Princess Bride. Oh, OK. And I am so excited because I haven't seen this one in a while. This might
1: this might we might be peaking 10 on this mo- on this next movie. And you're going to have some <laughs> trivia, I know, because you've read <laughs> Kerry no, I've uh, listened book. to
0: it. Oh, you've listened to it. So, you know, a lot of his uh, stories that he told behind the scenes. So I am looking forward to hearing some of those things. If you would like to check that out before the next episode drops, you can check it out on Disney Plus. And uh, I am so excited about this one. So we hope to Uh, Have you back very soon to listen to our next episode on The Princess Bride.